Hello, what is up guys and welcome back to the retrospective library. Now, if this is the first time you're tuning in, thank you so much for coming in and supporting the podcast. And if this is your second time listening, appreciate the support. Hope you keep listening. Today, we are going to be reviewing the discography of the Notorious B.I.G., Big Papa, Papa, excuse me, Biggie Smalls, or just Biggie, whatever you want to call him. We're reviewing the four albums, Ready to Die, Life After Death, Born Again, and Duets, The Final Chapter. I'm not reviewing The King and I because everything I've read about that makes it sound like it's terrible and it's a collaborative album, and I really didn't want to go through another Pox Life scenario, so just going through these four albums, these four projects. So, just to give you a little background on uh, Biggie Smalls, he was born in New York in the 70s, kind of similar to Tupac, also similar to Tupac, was tragically killed, uh, actually just six months after Tupac, and his music, if you if you want to get into what is stylistically different between the Notorious B.I.G. and Tupac, We'll be getting into that with the projects, but I guess the main difference, you know what? We'll save it for the, we'll save it for the albums. I'll just get into it then because it'll tie into a lot of what we're talking about. So Ready to Die was the first project released in 1994. And what is remarkable about this record is how perfected Biggie Small's style is right off the bat off of his first record. For a lot of artists, I would say that the average amount of albums that they need to kind of solidify their style, solidify their message, three, maybe two. For Tupac, it was just kind of two. Right off the bat, I mean, it it sounds incredible. The editing is incredible. Everything about this album just sounds perfect and clean. Um, And this album is really incredible. So when you get into it, it's sort of just this kind of story of it it would be like any kind of basic album assortment of stories of what they were doing, running around, getting in trouble, smoking weed, doing all that kind of the the trademark rap stuff. And then the whole album is just extremely tied together with the song Suicidal Thoughts. And what this is, is this is. Uh, the notorious B.I.G. on the phone with someone. We don't know who this other person is, but um, a close friend of his. He's calling him at the dead of night, and he is going to kill himself. And this whole album has been a reflection on his life. And suicidal thoughts just kind of reflects on how how really useless it all has been, and how much of a bad person that uh Christopher Wallace that's that's notorious BIG's name how Christopher Wallace has kind of seen himself and it's really tragic actually because this whole time it, a lot of these songs they're really good as far as technical ability as flow as lyrics in fact the notorious BIG is definitely one of the best lyricists I've ever heard but they're not really going into too much of a deep message but then once Suicidal Thoughts ends, every track is deep. Every single one. So that's that's the beautiful thing about this album. But ignoring that last track, um, this, this album has so many good songs. Big Papa, Juicy, um, Machine Gun Funk. Those are kind of, I think, the biggest ones that I noticed. Me and My B is really good. 
uh, B standing for something bigger. And so I guess the thing to get into now is why right off the bat is Biggie Smalls album so good and his music so good initially. And how is it different from Tupac? Because if you listen to the, um, to the last podcast, we talked about Tupac's first album sounded a little more grainy. Tupac's voice didn't really sound the same. It didn't sound bad, but it didn't sound the same in a, pro- a project like Strictly 4 or Me Against the World. And really the big difference is uh, this is just it the the flow of the album is more complete because when you're looking at a Tupac album you're looking at an album that while it has a much more solidified message than a Biggie Smalls album it's it's kind of all over the place it's oh this thought this thought this thing happened that thing happened and it's a lot of in your face violence which it definitely that's the appeal. That's what you want out of a Tupac album is it's up in your face. It's telling you, hey, this is what wrong. This is what's wrong. We need to fix it. This is is much more about Biggie Smalls than it is on any societal change. That is very subtly hinted at by a lot of what Biggie Smalls talks about with a life he grew up in. But it's not directly pointed to in the same way that Tupacalypse Now was just entirely talking about that. And Ready to Die is much more of a story. It's a story of Biggie Smalls' life. And we didn't really get that on any sort of Tupac album. Certainly not in the posthumous album. All Eyes on Me was sort of a collection of really good songs. I look at that more of a collection than I do of a kind of a straight through album. I'd say the closest we get is Me Against the World with Tupac talking a lot about his family situation, but really that's it. I would go so far as to call Ready to Die, it's, it might be my favorite album. I think I like it more than Life After Death, and we'll get into why when we go to Life After Death. One really important thing I wanted to talk about, not even just about this album, but with... Uh, Biggie in general, and Biggie and Tupac really, is how when you're listening to this classic rap, it's uncomfortable to listen to in a good way. And I'll explain what I mean by that. When you listen, let's just throw some artists out there. When you listen to Kid Cudi or Drake or Young Thug, just as a few examples, or Lil Uzi even, their their lyrics aren't uncomfortable. They can be really fast and they can be really tight and they can be about things that a lot of people really wouldn't go do, like go do drugs or go do a lot of things with women. But they don't, I don't feel like they make you as uncomfortable. These songs absolutely do. You could make the argument, well, if you've been listening to rap a long time, then they, it's, it's just kind of desensitized for you. Tupac's lyrics are very, very aggressive and very, very descriptive as far as the brutalities that have gone on and the injustices that are happening and how crappy his home life was. Biggie is kind of not not the same, but still really uncomfortable. He's talking about vicious ways of having sex with people, vicious ways of killing people. And they're not because that's what Biggie wants to do. It's just because that's stylistically what rap was like at the time. It wasn't 
at least to my understanding, of course, I wasn't born in that time period, so I don't know. But um, it's a lot of it, it was made, I think, to f- make people feel uncomfortable. And that's kind of something I brought up in the last podcast. If y'all listen to that, that um, that if someone walks into a room, screams the F word, you're going to notice and you're going to pay attention. And even though this album isn't trying to bring awareness to any particular political issue, it has that same kind of shock factor that you got from a Tupac album and that kind of discomfort factor. I feel like that's a good thing as well and kind of what makes Biggie's style so memorable. The last thing I have to say before we move on to life after death is that for all people will say about how great Tupac's music is, Tupac was never this this good lyrically. I mean, Notorious B.I.G. is on just an incredibly high level when it comes to well-thought-out lyrics, uh, tight flows. That'll come more later, actually, in his last album, The Duets, which is, I don't have a ton of good things to say about that album, but that's one of them. It's more what you think of, no, it's more what you think of when you think of rap, I would say. And Biggie also does not a lot of singing, but certainly more than Tupac. And Tupac's about the farthest away you can get from kind of a singer-rapper combo. But Tupac, or not Tupac, Biggie Smalls himself does just an ever so slight amount of singing in his records. While Tupac, it's it's just kind of straight rap, which is fine. Um, Moving on, we've got Life After Death. And this was kind of... Biggie's life after death was like all eyes on me for Tupac. This is a huge, huge album. It pick up, it picks up right where suicidal thoughts ended, with its intro track called "Life After Death" intro, and this, it's it's not the best intro I've ever heard. If I'm being honest, I've heard a lot better intros, but after that, whoo, this album is the best. It's it's the best most well put together Biggie album for sure. And it has a lot of bangers. I think when you're looking at a lot of these 90s albums, a lot of what they're missing has to do with album transitions. And I can think of a few modern rappers that are good at that. I think Kanye is really good at transitions, transitions, Isaiah Rashad, Logic. But this album does it really date really well. Life After Death intro transitions really well in Somebody's Gotta Die, which goes well into Hypnotize, kick in the door and you see it again in mo money mo problems and then um bleed there's another word in there but bleed we'll say it is there are some kind of iffy songs on here i'm not I, 10 crack commandments wasn't my favorite song but overall this album just is is filled with songs that you can sing along to that are just really catchy the reason I don't get down with this album as much is a problem that I also have with Tupac albums. This album is two hours long. It doesn't feel as long as a posthumous Tupac album. I haven't heard an album that feels as long as a posthumous Tupac album. But it's still, by the time you get to another or going back to Cali, I'm, I'm checking how much I've got left on the, on the track. It's a little much. And that, I feel like, puts it at a lower level than Ready to Die because, and we talked about this with Tupac, Life After Death has 
much better individual songs. Hypnotize is one of the best songs I've ever heard, but it's, it's just, it just wears, it wears after a while. So that's mostly what I have to say about life after death. Actually, a lot of good features are on this album. Um, there weren't as many features in ready to die. That's kind of Biggie's album. And there certainly aren't as many features on here as there will be later in his posthumous albums, especially the duets, which we'll talk about. But there are there are some good features. Um, Jay-Z is really good in this album on I Love the Doe. Lil' Kim is in a couple songs. Um, another is one that I noticed that I really enjoyed, uh, including her kind of interlude with Biggie in the beginning. One thing... A trend that this album not kicked off, but kind of capitalized on that I don't like in other albums is scenes. So when we get into artists like Eminem or Logic that use scenes a lot, you'll you'll hear from me. I really, really hate scenes. I feel like they really wear on the album and interrupt the, the smoothness of an album. But here, they're part of the song, and they lead directly into the song in a way that most scenes don't. I still can kind of get annoyed by them, especially if it's kicking off what is a really good song. I can't remember. I wish I could remember what specific time I'm talking about. Um, but when, when a track does that, where there's a really good song, but I have to listen to 30 seconds to a minute of Biggie talking, it does, it, it gets a little annoying, but not ruinous in the same way that other scenes do. Like, go listen to Grandpa's Spaceship from Bobby Tarantino, too. That, it, it if you, if you get too annoyed by it, it kind of ruins the album. And it, or Key, the Key skit from Music to be Murdered by Side B is really horrible. But it's not ruinous in here, but it is noticeable. So, moving on, we've got our first posthumous album, Born Again. And as you would really kind of expect from a posthumous album, this doesn't have the same professional flow, like flow as in not not flow of individual songs, but smoothness and flow of the whole album. This doesn't have that, but you can't really bash it. The Born Again intro and really the other the intro for duets a little tedious if i'm being honest just this whole biggie is back but I'm not going to complain about it too much um one really really good track on here is dead wrong uh featuring Eminem i'm sure a lot of people have heard it and dangerous mc's featuring Snoop Dogg and Busta Rhymes there's not a whole lot from Biggie himself that i'm excited about on this record obviously again it's a posthumous album, so there's not much we can judge when the artist that it's being credited to obviously wasn't involved in its creation. But I think a lot of the times the features are better than the artist himself and it gets in the way. It's not a, it's not a bad album. I think if you listen to it straight through, it's like... Um, it's like until the end with Tupac. You could listen to it straight through and you wouldn't have a problem with it. But if someone asked you to name a song and kind of sing along to a little part of it, you could probably do it with Dead Wrong and Dangerous MCs and maybe one other song, let's say Rap Phenomenon. Um, but it's just, it's not memorable. 
But what this album and duets does far, far better than a posthumous Tupac album, it's an hour long. Because when when I look at Until the End, Better Days, oh my goodness, sitting through two hours of poorly put together tracks, not put together as in like the music itself is bad, but poorly put together as in the album didn't have the input of the artist, so it doesn't feel the same. One of those type of records, this is a this is a lot less tedious, frankly. So that's a really good thing about this record. Um, this, unlike duets, there's a lot more of Biggie. Even though Biggie is outshined by the people featuring featured in the album, it's I mean Biggie's still there prominently. And so this is kind of, if Biggie ever made an average album in his lifetime, in his lifetime, I want to make that clear, it would probably sound like this. So we've got our final album. Um, There's only four albums. They didn't go wild with the posthumous albums. Thank goodness. And that's duets. And there's not a whole lot of Biggie in this album. There's a whole lot of other artists, most notably, again, Eminem. But it like if you just look on the track list and look not even at the features, which are already ridiculous, but at each and every individual uh, person that sang in part of a song from this album, it's uh, there's it's too much. Like you'll you could get thirty seconds of Biggie doing some good lines, and then the rest of it is like Snoop. It's it's even Lil Wayne, which is, ugh, I, I don't like Lil Wayne in this album at all. Um, Eminem, Obi Trice. We didn't need this album. This was unnecessary. One thing I do like that the posthumous albums, both this one and, um, I'm already forgetting, Born Again did that I really liked is they had a three-minute outro scene with his mom talking. Usually, like I said, when there's a song that's just talking and there's no song that bothers me but this gives a lot of insight on what it was like not what it was like to be biggie's mom but some of the kind of feelings and opinions from being the mom of a rapper because back then especially in the 90s and even and i'd say especially now being a rapper is way dangerous like it's gonna it's gonna pull you down if you let it and it's like it it's killed so many rappers and so many rappers have been killed. And in, um, in the end of born again, the three minute, uh, little interlude of Biggie's mom, she talked about how his father didn't really have influence on his music. His father left him before Biggie even got to know him and how important music was to Biggie's life and how happy it made him. And really kind of how good of a person Biggie was. Of course, the sample size that we're getting of him, he seems like a very aggressive person, but that's the way he's choosing to present himself. But his mom talks about how generous he is, how like how he loved other people. And her final thought, though, is that she would not let she would not have let him get into music if she knew he was going to have this fate. And that, I feel like if you're going to make a posthumous album, that's the perfect thing to put at the end. And there was a similar um, a similar thing that happened at the end of Duets. It wasn't quite as prolific as was in the, f- 
in Born Again, but it it wasn't bad. I it was pretty good. I did kind of bash the Born Again intro, but I just realized I actually got it mixed up with the duets intro, which is just a bunch of hype for a new Biggie Smalls album. But the Born Again intro is actually an interview with Biggie Smalls. I was trying to remember where this was. I just remembered it was right here where they ask him, where do you see yourself in 10 years? And his response is so sad and it's so kind of reflective of of a rapper's life. And he says, well, if I'm being honest, I don't think I'm going to be anywhere. But if I was going to be somewhere, I'd like to be chilling in my mansion with my family. And that's not a that's not a perspective you really see often. A lot of times the answer of where you see yourself in 10 years might be, oh, I want to have X amount of records. And they'll talk about their family too. Obviously, family is very important for some rappers. Music wasn't mentioned. I he he really did want that life for himself and for his family and to be that good example, which is why at the end the the Miss Wallace outro holds so much weight. It really, even though the album itself, the music is a little weaker, it brings a, a good amount of weight and heart, frankly, to this album. So those that's kind of the recap of the albums. I do want to add on, though, I think it's it's either, I think Get the Grind On is the song I'm talking about, where it doesn't have a ton of biggie in it, but it's got some really fast flows, and I think it's worth it to listen to. Also, the, uh, not the B.I.G. Live in Jamaica track, but the It Has Been Said track, really good vocals by Eminem, even though there's no biggie on it, almost no biggie on it, but I mean, duets is worth a listen to. I would say a similar thing about duets that I would about Born Again, that you could have it on in the background to like it and not really be able to identify any songs, but it's it's just a lot less biggie. It doesn't feel like a true biggie album. So that's kind of what I've got for you as far as the albums go, but I did want to address a question that I think a lot of people have asked, who is better, Pac or Biggie? And I, my answer for ever since I started listening to rap and I knew who these two people were, was Pac. I, I'm not so sure of my answer anymore. And Pac, I feel like, has better individual songs. I like I Get Around more than probably any Pac or Biggie song. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. It's got one of the best flows, some of the best lyrics, uh, really, really good um, feature tracks from Digital Underground, and I'm forgetting the name of the other artist that was in there, Digital Underground and someone else. But Biggie has better constructed albums by a long shot and has less tedious albums. I think four albums is probably the right amount of albums for the amount of Biggie, like Biggie's life that we got. Because we didn't really, I haven't listened to The King and I, but it can't be worse than Pac's life. We didn't get a Pac's life. Um, and I totally just lost my train of thought. And I feel like the highs of Biggie's albums, as much as I like Tupac's individual songs, are bigger for Biggie. But I'm still going to come down on Tupac being better. 
because in the end, Tupac has a message, a very solidified message. Even if the albums are not solidified in their structure, the message very much is. You go into Tupacalypse now and you listen to that 50 minutes or an hour, whatever it is, you come out, you know exactly what the message is and what Tupac is all about. With Biggie, you do know, but it's it's a little less profound and it's never as clear as it is. Even though the album itself is well-structured, the message is never as clear as it is in that first album. So even though Tupac was a lot more one note on what he said, it's it just was was clear and the highs of Tupac individual songs are higher enough than Biggie's that I would still give Tupac the edge. But man, is it a close contest because Biggie still has songs like, um, I blanked, I'm sorry, Hypnotize, Dead Wrong, um, Somebody's Got to Die, Bleed, again, that has another word before it. But that's, that's, that's where I would come down on that argument. And I would absolutely 100% listen to someone else on the other side of the argument because there are just a lot of ways you could come down on this. So that's all I have for you for today. Um, this was a much earlier release than I was planning on doing. So I can't guarantee that the next podcast will be out in the same amount of time. But we're going to be moving a little more forward in time, going to late 2000s and 2010s, reviewing a Cleveland rapper. That's all I'll say. I'm very excited to review his work. I haven't gone through his albums too much, um, but I'm really, really excited to because that's been something on my list to do for a long time. And now I have an excuse to. So thank you so much for listening. And if you like this podcast, please give it a follow. Consider sharing it on social media. That would be really helpful. And I will see you all next time.